This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 412, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. I don't feel the way I've ever felt. I know, gonna smile and not get worried. I try, but it shows. Anyone can make what I have built. And better now, anyone can find the same white pills. It takes my pain away. It's a lie. Hello, welcome to that Fanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 412. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and joining me are Paul Montgomery. 
Yes. And from Medical Bay 12, calling him from his bed, is Josh Flanagan. It's me. It is. Why is it always me? I don't know. I think it's funny. Is that like I've really only had like two issues in however many years we've been doing this, but it just it feels like no time has passed. I feel like, man, remember that time I couldn't be on the show because I had an appendectomy? I do. Well, you also had the baby. That happened as well. Oh, yeah. There was that. Yeah, I guess. Oh, yeah. Now you're having a baby in a different way. Spiky sort of baby. squeeze our hand. Tiny four millimeter Breathe. spiky baby. You had the appendectomy when it was your week. So we did me and Ron did the show last minute by ourselves. You're talking about your book. <laughs> it's a Judd Winnick Sh- Shazam book. I believe it was number seven. That's right. That was quite fun. Yeah. Uh, did you, know. you read that book? Um, I must have. We we did yeah, the show. You would have. You're, you're responsible. So. If you weren't paying attention and you don't know that I have been uh, I've had some adventures in the emergency room lately. And uh, currently as I talk to you I am on drugs. He is right on, now. on some good painkillers from his uh, little little piece of heaven coming out of his urethra. Can I say that? Is that you weird? just did. Ow. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you've made it this far, we are a fanboy. We like comics. Every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us picks the best book they read. We talk about it on the show. We talk about the other books that came out this week. Other nonsense. Uh, all kinds of fun stuff. Before we get to the show, a reminder. Yes. I tell you something. You spend your you spend you spend an hour or so writhing on a gurney. It doesn't take much to make you laugh. Sure, I bet. it's oh, uh, you're just you're just real thrilled about that. So thank you, but also ow, stop it. Reminder warning: This is a review show. There'll be spoilers. So if you haven't read your books yet, pause the show, come back. Paul, you had the pick. Yes, I did, um, and I chose the Superior Foes of Spider-Man number five. It's the fifth book in this series. Is it a mini? It's no. It's an it's an ongoing. The storytellers, as they're credited in the book, uh, Nick Spencer and Steve Lieber. And it's sort of the way, I, the way I sort of describe it to people. It's sort of Marvel's answer to the Flash rogues and very similar to the, the Hawkeye style of storytelling. Um, just the, the visual layout of the book and the sort of the tone and the sense of humor that the book has, is, it's, it's very similar to. So if you're enjoying Hawkeye and if you miss um, the old school uh, and I say old school, but like, you know, 10 years ago, Flash Rogues and the way they were handled over at DC, check out Superior Foes of Spider-Man. This particular issue opens with, um, they always open in an awful place. It takes place in New York City and then the caption is an awful place or a terrible place. And uh, this is a, a crook who's being interrogated by his, his former boss, uh, the Owl, who's uh, just a great design. He's a great villain. He's got He's got the he's got the Wolverine hair and the chin strap beard, mm-hmm. and he eats rats. And he's dealing with a rat from his organization uh, who's been embezzling money from him. And he tells a little anecdote about when he was working with the Man Bull, and they had a they had their little heist group, their little posse, and the Man Bull. He uh, he had an affair with one of the other guy's wives, and uh, so there's there's a there's a moment where we don't see it happening, but they're reacting to what they're seeing on a closed circuit monitor, and uh, they talk about a bull ride. So that happens, and then the the larger portion of the issue, uh, this is the Sinister Six, although there's four of them at this point. Their fifth member, they've never had a sixth member. The fifth member, the Shocker, is locked in a trunk. Uh, somewhere which is being towed into <laughs> into, uh, into a lot, and they're going to break into the owl's compound to steal Silvermane's head, 
Um, because Silvermane had died, and there is there's a head, and this is this is worth something to them, and we get a great sort of two page spread. Uh, that like you would see in a Home Alone movie where you're drawing what it looks like inside the layout of this compound and there are giant scorpions, there's like werewolves, ninjas, um, all these barriers that they have to get through in order to get this object. And this wonderful interplay between the Sinister Six, the four of them, it's uh, the boomerang is the leader and he's the one who locked the shocker in uh, the trunk of his car. Uh, The beetle, uh, the female beetle, and um, Overdrive, who's sort of their getaway He turns driver. everything into a car, right? He tur- he, actually, there's some really cool stuff he does in this issue. He pulls out a toy remote control helicopter, and he and touches it. And, and Yeah, and um, it turns into a giant assault copter. So he overdrives the vehicle. He overdrives the vehicle. Previous issue, he turned like kind of an anemic-looking motorbike into... A, a pretty rad motorcycle. So he does. It's an odd that, power. It, it is an odd power. <laughs> and he's sort of like the dark Stig is sort of his design aesthetic. Like he's yeah, wearing, a, you know, a helmet and it's, but it's like navy blue or black. What he looks like. He looks like a Cobra Viper. Yeah. And then uh, Speed Demon, who's just, you know, a, you know, a speedster kind of villain. And uh, they, they can never get along. And, uh, you know, the Beetle pulls out her iPhone and puts it on airplane mode before they go into their, their thing. And she's got these binders of all these plans. And I thought it was ju- like, I genuinely laughed out loud reading the book. I thought it was a lot of fun. And that's like, I've, I've been amused by comedic comic books, but it's very rare for me to actually like audibly laugh as Josh knows. Yeah. So, uh, I don't believe you do. This was really refreshing. And, uh, I, I, you know, I love, like telling a story from the villain's perspective, especially if they're sort of inept, and that's very much the case here. So, Josh, you've been reading this, did you? Yeah, I have. I, I think that I think one of the things that most impresses me with this is I really like um, I like Spencer's range. I like that he can sort of do this, and he's done other stuff. And this is like he found a tone, and it's been consistent since the beginning, and he stuck with it. And it's still like there's still superhero action per se if that's yeah. what you're looking for like the scene at the beginning with the guy tied up in a chair is like a, a big thing of rats is is dangled over him you know that's 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 creepy that that works for that but then at the same time like he's really got this these these bumbling buffoons and we just keep going with them and you're seeing all these different sides of it but i think the thing that really makes it work the glue is is steve lieber who's who's drawing these you get a lot out of this a lot of this issue like there's yeah. There's a lot going on here. At the end, I was I'm flipping through the pages. And I'm just like, man, this a lot happened in this. But like, there's also places where, like, he's Lieber's playing it really nicely. He adds this sort of really interesting awkwardness because he's not really a traditional superhero artist. He's a great storyteller. We've, we've said that for years. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, if you look on even just the last page where Shocker is running away with the the head of Silvermane, if you look at like the kind of expression that he gave Shocker's eyes and the expression that's on Silvermane's face, like it's all just a little like I don't I don't know what we're doing here. Yeah, it's and, uh, it's it's he draws it sort of like a crime book. Like you'd think it's mm-hmm. like a, it would be like a Brubaker kind of crime book, but then heightened with like really expressive uh, comedic characters. Yeah. So you can have moments where so like the 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 final sequence is Shocker like 
gets out of this the, the trunk of this car and there's a kid who's who's on the lot and saying, are you okay, mister? You were locked in the trunk. And he's like, no, 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 stay in school. It's all right. It's all right. And, <laughs> and he goes walking. And then you see Silverman's head on the top of a remote <laughs> control car, like coming around the corner. But and like with all, a suspicious look in his eye. Yeah. And it's, and, mm-hmm. and then like the look of on Silverman's fa- the head of Silverman's face, yeah. like, like as you know, like shockers holding him onto the crook of his arm running out of this lot. And I got to tell you a uh, really good job with that tow truck. Yeah. Um, sometimes they really phone in tow trucks, and and that's my family business is uh, recovery services. So I was very impressed with this and and the lot that they uh, tow it into. So yeah, I, I think Steve Lieber is a big part, and I like that they credit him as storyteller along with Nick Spencer yeah. because so much of that. Like I'm thinking also when they're getting ready to to storm the compound, and Boomerang has to remember if they turn right or left, and they there's a panel where he's just sort of like orienting himself and like, he's got his arms over here. He's like, is it, was it the left? You go in and then you make a left or, or is it a right? And so like really good storytelling. Yeah. It's, I, you know, the thing about Steve Lieber is that I remember a long time ago, uh, he, he did, uh, uh, not what he white out. Yeah. Yeah. He did white out. And I got a sketch from him a long time ago. This was back when they just sort of gave away sketches. Like yeah, people would be like, Oh, the sketch. Yeah. I feel bad about it. Now I feel like I need to send him money. But uh, he did one of, uh, of Carrie from, from Whiteout and, and like he, he drew it and then he inked it and then he went in with like Whiteout and yeah. he just put so much care into this one free sketch that he was doing. I remember he brought the brush out for that. Yeah, and, and, I, and, I, and I've never forgotten that about him, that he put that much care into this and I can see that in these pages. So Lieber is really one of those guys that whenever I see his name on a book, I, I'm, I'm willing to take a look at it because I know that he's not phoning it in and, and he's got all these different skills but – like in this one, he's he's definitely mastered this sort of odd timing of 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 comic book humor and and little gags off to the side and, and it's it's a little bit it's reminiscent of what Aja is doing on on Hawkeye I think but it yeah. is a different feeling and he's got his own tricks and things going on here it just it's a it's a fun book and I I think it's one of those things like listen we know probably not a lot of people are going to read this or whatever let's just have fun with it and do good work and that's the feeling that they get out of it um, which is why I like it. Yeah. Uh, the, I remember talking about the first issue and being like, I think they're trying for a Hawkeye kind of thing because with yeah. some of the like infographic kind of stuff that they were doing. But uh, since then, I think they've expanded sort of the the language of the book and the, the certain things that they're doing. They're as adventurous in different ways than Aja and and Fraction on on Hawkeye. So, but I but I do think that even though it, it's got its own little bag of tricks, I think if if you do appreciate, especially those Aja issues yeah. of Hawkeye, uh, definitely check this out. Yeah, great um, cover on this one too, just yeah. design wise. Really mm-hmm. Perfect segue into Batman Twenty Five. I realize what they're doing with the cover, and from a conceptual standpoint, I like the idea of it. But it's just this is the most boring cover I've ever seen in a comic. Originally, the original, you know, part one of the story. And so then they they come back to that and make it an all black version because the city's been blacked out. And I get that, I like that, but the cover is just so boring. It looks like very prestige, but it doesn't. I mean, other than it being a blackout right. of the cover, like it it doesn't tell you a whole lot about what's what's going on. And and uh, a very very interesting issue. And I I especially like the moment in here where Bruce is coming out of 
the bat cave which is and the way you get out of the bat cave in the early <laughs> days in, in zero year is like you climb a rope and i was like wait is alfred gonna have to rope do that ladder, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so and so alfred did too and it just so happens that commissioner gordon or not He's not commissioner yet. He's, he's captain. No, he's captain. He's lieutenant, lieutenant, lieutenant. Lieutenant. Right, right. He's just he's just chilling outside on the grass, and he's like, "So, uh, what's going on down there?" He, he wasn't just chilling. He was there. He was waiting. He's, he was, he's, he's snooping he's, around. He's like crouched over the hole. He was he was like, "I got this." What's going on? And Bruce is like, "Yeah, why don't you go? To, why don't you uh, check it out? Like, we've got some stuff down there. Like, he's like, do you have like generators and stuff? There's like this noise, and he's like, why don't you go poke your head down there?" And Alfred's like, "Uh, boss, what are you what are you doing?" And <laughs> and then like Gordon looks down, and then Bruce hits a hits a switch. He's got this like like a like an alarm thing, the- and all the bats come swarming out and and hit Gordon in the face, which is mean. His glasses off. It's mean. Knocks his glasses off. It's mean. It's it's kind of a dick move. But um, look at that haircut. Of course, he's a dick. Of course. Well, he's it's like an army cut, but because this is this is war. He's yeah. it's like uh, I think that was a line from Weird Science. Anybody with a haircut like that's got to be an asshole. Now <laughs> I know Chet. I did notice a mistake in here in that in the beginning when Gordon and Bullock are investigating that crime scene with the guy whose bones turned into tree limbs or whatever that was. Right. He refers to Bullock as detective, but he's clearly a plainclothes cop. Mm. It's a minor thing, but I just I did notice that. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 he's definitely not a detective yet. Anyway, it's not I, a problem. Just I'm just, I can no, but, uh, one thing. Yeah, Doctor Death creeps me the hell out. It's a creepy face. It's a creepy, creepy drawing. It's the teeth. Right. So, in this issue, uh, the so Riddler, the Riddler has set off his bomb. It's knocked the power out of the city. They're not worried. They're going to get turned back on, but they're under a bit of a time constraint because there's a giant hurricane heading their Gotham's way. But no problem. They'll get it turned back on by then. It's not going to be a problem. Don't worry about it. Of course, it's going to be a problem probably the next issue, but sort of the players are getting into place for the next cataclysm, which is going to be the hurricane coming in and basically combining with the blackout and turning, the, turning Gotham into a hellhole. Uh, it's going to be interesting. This was very much a move the pieces into place issue with the advent of a very creepy villain in Dr. Death. And even as creepy as like the reveal of Dr. Death's face, like the, the, the scene where it's talking about Pamela Isley before she's, you know, Poison Ivy, talking about seeing him come in. And just he's like a dude in a hood, but his like his fingers are too long. Like it's just a little off. I find that even creepier than like the really distorted face mm-hmm. when it's like something that's like just a little bit off, like not quite human. Right. That's really creepy. And then you and you get I think that's like a thir- like you see three panels of that, and then he turns his head and you see the weird janky teeth and stuff. And colors continue to be totally crazy, which I like. Yeah. Like, I mean, just, like, really saturated pinks and oranges and stuff. And I also like the backup a lot, too. The Harper Row year one story. Yeah. Harper Row. And yeah. Colin, her, her little brother, and their sort of dick dad. That was, I thought it was really good. There's one, one more mistake I noticed. <laughs> oh, God. In, that, in the backup, there's a double-page shot of Batman swinging and then all the sort of other heroes around him. So we see uh, Superman from his issue. We see Green Arrow from his issue. And right. We also see Nightwing from his issue, which came out this week, and... In this comic, he's all red. In this, in his comic, he's all blue. Again, minor, minor mistake. But well, you could say it's a mistake in Nightwing. Well, it's correct. Someone here. made a mistake somewhere. <laughs> anyway, I did like this quite a bit. Well, anyways, I'm really, I'm actually, I've been thinking about. It. I really look forward to Snyder's take on the Riddler because I feel like that's. I know he loves the Joker, but mm-hmm. like, if you can think of of a creator and a character that are like so perfectly <laughs> like right. designed for each other, I think that's going to be really exciting. Now, uh, let's talk clothes. Let's talk fashion for a minute. <laughs> okay. 
All new X Men eighteen. <laughs> and this is the first. Uh, well, Amazing X Men was the first one, but this was the first issue with the original team post Battle for the Atom when they've left the Jean Grey school you know and what? gone off with Cyclops. Can I ask a question? Because yeah. I didn't read the end of that. Uh-huh. What caused? Well, in a nutshell, why did they decide to go the other way? Why are the other X Men now the bad guys? School X Men. They have not really explained that. Okay. Well, okay. I, I got that feeling. Okay. No. Wolverine and his crew were trying to send them back in time. They didn't want to go back in time. They wanted to stay in the modern day. And Cyclops and his crew were all about, yeah, let's let them be who they want to be and not force them to go through a portal back in time. Right. I think that's that's for for Despite those. Despite the fact there's all kinds of temporal problems with that. Right, but we still don't know. It's still, it's still not entirely justified why Kitty is buddy buddy with Scott. Yeah. Everybody why knows is that's Kitty that's there? the big one. She, um, she to go feels she's tight with with magic right now. Mm-hmm. That I mean that is clear, but I don't entirely buy that she feels betrayed by Wolverine. On the other else. hand, what the result is, you've got a whole new group of people to bounce off these old X-Men, which is fun. Yeah, that's true. Also, the idea that Kitty broke up with her boyfriend, Bobby Drake, left the school, and now she's hanging out with young Bobby Drake. Right. So it's like you got to see a smaller version of your ex-boyfriend every day and the more annoying that's version all. of your ex-boyfriend. And back that, when she was just a professor... The worst thing a woman can imagine. <laughs> Back when she was at the at the at the um, Jean Grey school, she was also teaching young Bobby Drake, and he was like, "I feel like she's being extra, like difficult on me because I'm her boyfriend in the future." So it's just an, a new playing field for that to continue. Uh, I thought there were great character moments in this. There was a lot of like characters splitting off into twos. Well, and, uh, and I having like the Magneto a lot. I mean, the idea that. Yeah, you know, just a few weeks ago, for these guys, they were fighting Magneto to the death, and now he's hanging around their headquarters. You know, let me think about that. Why is he being so creepy with the helmet walking around? Because like I feel like for years he's been walking around without it, and he's like, you know, it feels like he's being extra creepy for no reason. He enjoys it. He loves it. He's playing it up that people think he's terrifying. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's his concession to being a good guy. Is you're, I'm going to be a good guy, but you're still going to be like terrified of me. I also like that. Uh, the only person that showed up for the meeting was Scott. They had a meeting for the original team and he's <laughs> standing there, arms folded behind him. No one else. But let's talk about the clothes. Yeah, I was going to say, talk about the clothes. Um, okay, these are awful. Yeah, it doesn't look as bad as the, the first cover reveal that we saw. Uh, where, where did they keep the lions? <laughs> it's... <laughs> That they that they that they form into Voltron. Where did where are those? It, That's what they look like. What happened to what happened to Chunk's shoes? <laughs> hunk, hunk, not Chunk. It's hunk, hunk. hunk. I, I didn't even get the Voltron thing until you mentioned said it, but that's very Voltron-y. It are very Voltron. Like we try to be we try to be positive on the show. We try to focus on what we like <laughs> about comics, celebrate the good, but occasionally you have to you have to sit down and say, No, this is was a mistake and this was a mistake. Gotta, they're not ugly. They're ugly. I don't think they're ugly. I just think they're they're kind of boring. They're ugly they're, and boring. Like, it's, no, it's just they're color coded now. And that's you know all. what was rad about them is that they were the old X Men. Yeah, and they were the old X Men outfit, and it always let me know who the hell I was looking at. It was a great visual signifier, and also those costumes are rad because Jack Kirby designed them, and also they didn't really look bad. No, like they look fine. They didn't. They look make the of- case that they probably smell bad because they've been wearing. Well, that's you know that's what a washing machine is for. 
Yes. They but, magic them up new outfits. I'm sure they can they can they can oxy clean that shit. No, I agree. You've got, you got Kitty Pride who who says cosmetically they need to change. She's wearing their outfit. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. You're totally right. This was a mistake. It, it's I'll, I'll be honest, it took about ten percent of my enjoyment out of the idea of these characters being around. Because I liked them in that classic look. I think that helped. As Josh said, it's a cla- I mean, classic is classic for a reason. And these are the Kirby original X-Men costumes. They're iconic. Right. And they looked great. In the, in the midst of all the chaos of the modern world, they looked great in the middle of all these, these characters. And now they look awful. I feel like it was a really good signifier. And it was a constant visual reminder of who these characters were and right. what they were doing there and why that matters. And now, like, literally, I, like, it'll be tough to tell them apart. Like, I'm, at least, Once they form Voltron, you'll see the Voltron from miles away. Well, right, right. But, you know, at the very least, Cyclops can't be that bad because the current Cyclops is so bad. Right. I mean, by comparison, this guy looks great. I'll tell you what threw me off, though. When they're doing that, uh, the page where they went from, you know, they did the same page twice, and then you got to see the thoughts. Yes. They were talking about who was talking. I, I thought that I didn't realize I was, lo- I was looking at Beast and Cyclops because the goggles on Cyclops threw me. I was like, are we looking at two different versions? It took me a couple of seconds to sort of figure it out. Right. Well, yeah. When they showed when they showed the cover, I I really thought that um, I was looking at Cyclops, but I was looking at at Hank. Um, yeah. Because like I don't like orange doesn't say beast to me. No, no, no. So none yeah. of it none of it works. And in the hands of a lesser artist, which we've seen in the covers or some of the other stuff we've seen, you know, released, they look even worse. Yeah, so. yeah that's a that's a good point because this is like this is probably the best they're ever going to look. <laughs> It's like yeah, Jim, Jim Lee drawing artist. Superman. It's like it's it's yeah. the, the least bad that costume looks. So I like I, how they have a belt buckle, but no belt. I think it's it's communicator probably. I think it's a misstep, but I'm not going to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Oh no, so I, it's I thought it was I thought it was a great script for for this issue. And that's yes. true. Okay, so Cataclysm Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number one. We were talking about the Bagley craziness of the cataclysm book last week and i said i i'm just going to follow ultimate spider-man mm-hmm. i'm happy with that choice because i thought this was like even though it has all the trimmings of cataclysm it still felt like well it's just ultimate last the next issue yeah it's really, that's it's really it what 20, it feels like it should be was it 20 it should be 29 yeah so if you didn't buy this out there in listener land if you were an ultimate spider-man reader uh this was just the next issue of the book this is no ganky looking like a hedgehog, none of that stuff. Yeah, this Marquez, is great right? Spider Man yes. Spider Woman stuff. Yeah, Marquez. That that's really the story of this one, is that I think Marquez does a really great job of doing expressive characters, but also, you know, the big superhero action stuff that people love. Like he's the I think he's the perfect I think he's I think he's like a perfect superhero artist. He can do everything. You can do um, Thor eating Chinese food. All you can do months. Thor eating Chinese food. <laughs> so, there's great comic beats in here and stuff that, like, I, I want him to. I want him to have drawn that Cataclysm issue from last week because it's a lot of talking heads. I still don't think that's a great issue because just the pacing was off. But I thought this was 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 really strong, both in terms of the writing and the art. But I think the art is the real takeaway that the characters really feel alive here. I like that Captain America wears a Captain America t-shirt. <laughs> Captain America t-shirt. And sitting well, around the table. Branding that guy. Yeah, he's he's on brand. Now, yeah. uh, I also like that Spider-Woman says, I'm a clone of Peter Parker. And they go, you are? How do you, know? how do you not know that? How would we know? And then 
It's 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 sort of like you know it was classified information, and it's just like wait, it was classified to Captain America, like, and there was a good scene around the table, and this was this was the Captain America who was the president, right? Yes. Yeah. So president, you'd think you would know Steve. about yeah. So what else was classified from him was the question. What else did he not know as president? What mm-hmm. is he keeping from the commander in chief? Yeah, and you get some some cloak and dagger stuff. I I like Ultimate Comics cloak and dagger. They're fun. And the Gilmore Girls in the middle. Yeah, it was good. It was a very good issue. I mean, you know, we love the series. It was another very good issue of that of the series. Uh, Yeah. So this is basically just to say, if you were thrown off by Cataclysm last week, just stick with this stuff. It looks like looks like it's going to get more Cataclysm key next time. Yeah. As Galactus arrives at the very last page of this one. That's fine. We like Galactus. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Josh, did you get to read in the midst of your Rising Pain, Astro City number six. I did. I did. And the best part about it was is it was as if number five never happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was this all was, the things that we liked two, about right? four. Yeah, which was part two. Favorite I saw so part two and I was like, oh no. And I was like, oh, part two of the good thing, not the bad thing. Right. This was one of my favorite issues so far. I really like this mm. character, this main guy. You know, he's sort of the mob boss of the docks. He runs the river and the docks. And so that he goes to shake down. The creature who appeared in the first issue, who's you know observing Earth, he goes the to balls on this guy. He tells he's got to have to pay up if he wants anything delivered to his spaceship. And I just love the character of this. Um, what is his name? The the, the creature or the alien? Uh, celestial. We'll call him a celestial. Uh, yeah, because that's what he looks like. I love the his, ambassador. I love his characterization. He's kind of like a. He's a kind of just t- childlike, but not in a annoying way. Just kind of in a. This is fun. I'm observing you guys, and this is all very cool kind of way. I just like it was a very different kind of characterization. It's like he got this job, and it was like his promotion, and yeah. he's like way into it because he doesn't really know about you know, all the, all the other crap that goes with the job. But he, he's like, no, I'm out here. I'm, I'm on my own. I'm doing a good job here. I'm meeting all these interesting people, yes. and he's, he's going to be screwed. Uh, yeah, I liked that a lot. I liked the main guy, too. It was, he was interesting. Yep. It was a really, really good issue. Yeah, it was. It was, uh, yeah, I have nothing else to say about it. Yeah, it was very good. It was, it was one of those things that, that Kurt Busiek does best, which is to peel back a corner. Well, what happens with this? You know, oh, wait, wait, so is there like a mob presence? Is there a sort of, and mob, it's sort of mob union kind of thing that happens in city. He's the crime boss's guy on the, on the docks. Yeah. I also really liked, like, I thought this was a really strong Brent Anderson issue. Really? I thought the art was really strong in this. That was a little loose with the ink. Hmm. But, Maybe not in a bad way. I like that. Bit. I like that part. I like the texture it brought to. I like it. how he's married to a Uhura stripper. That's what I thought. <laughs> Lieutenant Uhura, the former stripper. Yeah, um, that's nice. Really good. Really good issue. So now, yeah. uh, real quickly, if you want to help the show out, you can go to fanboy.com/slash/amazon. That's all the more important this time of year as you make your holiday purchases. And I know that a lot of you are, are out there making your purchases through Amazon for the holidays. Use the fanboy.com link. Go to fanboy.com/slash/amazon. Click the the Amazon button there. It'll take you to amazon.com, and you can use that. URL as your bookmark in the, in the future and as you make all your holiday purchases it really helps us out keeps all the bills covered keeps the lights on keeps Josh and Vicodin and I, I was I was going to say if you want to buy some extra stuff now that would be fine yeah. because Josh has got some bills <laughs> that <sighs> he needs help on so the point is as the holidays arrive and I know I do a lot of my holiday shopping on Amazon I always use the iFanboy link and help myself out so you know <laughs> I, I can't do it all myself so please uh, do what you can it doesn't take any money out of your pocket takes it out of Amazon's giant pockets and uh, yesterday I almost couldn't park because it was an Amazon fresh truck blocking my spot. But check that out. Also, go to iFanboy.com slash registration. That's where you become an iFanboy member for $3 a month or $30 a year. 
helps the show out directly and that's really a, you know helps us out the best and you are our favorite people who do that all those details can be found at ifmway.com slash registration now let's talk about more comics yeah recently we had somebody write in to the show asking about fantasy comics and just so happens that a brand new fantasy comic just came out this week umbral number one from anthony johnson and christopher mitten the team behind wasteland yeah. that's right Only and this was an image book yeah it's an image book and this is beautiful what i like about it is that i think there's a lot of fantasy out there right now that's sort of like trying to emulate well there's obviously that was the the conversation we had with that question was fantasy that's not urban fantasy because that seems to be so much of the fantasy landscape right now this feels like like kind of like uh 80s sort of jim henson kind of fantasy or like lady hawk or something um like you know dark crystal or, or labyrinth and if you like those things it's sort of sort of a ya bent to it but it's it's got you know got this great darkness to it and it's about there's sort of a royal family that gets murdered and this girl named rascal who's a thief who gets in, involved in in, in that and she knows some bearded people around town and she's got this magic amulet around her neck and and um, there's these dark creatures coming through from like another dimension beautiful book I've always liked Christopher Mitten's stuff it was always great when he popped up in uh, um, SketchUp and so, so I think it's sort of perfect if you have a kid who's into fantasy or uh, if, you, if you miss that era of fantasy so um, a, a really good start so if you who wrote that email in, whoever wrote that email in before, check out Umbral number one. Yeah. Uh, this week also there was another number one called X Men Gold number one. I didn't know what it was. I was very curious. <laughs> Still don't know what it is. I do know what it is now. Picked it up. It is the anniversary. It's a fiftieth anniversary. Celebrating the X Men. It's been right. fifty years. Is gold the fifty year thing? Is that what it is? Gold, sure. Gold gold uh, present. So this is it's a giant oversized issue celebrating the X Men throughout the years. It was tons of fun. The uh, main story was a Chris Claremont written story uh, drawn by Bob McLeod. Then there was a Stan Lee written story drawn by Walter Simonson. Uh, then there was a Roy Thomas story that was drawn by Pat Oliff. And then there was a um, Len Wein story drawn by Jorge Molina. And then a Fabian Niciesa story drawn by Salvador La Roca. And then there was a uh, little John Byrne pinup, obviously from an old comic. They didn't get a new one for John Byrne. And a great cover by, uh, what's his name? <laughs> it's almost like I'm the one on drugs. Uh, the, the, the guy who's been, who did, um, oh, God. I'm Spit it name. out, man. The guy who did the X-Men event from a few years ago. French name. <laughs> Olivier Coipel. So, okay. um, it was really fun. Help. So a lot, a lot, so those writers basically writing the X-Men sort of of their time. Right. So you have I'll like tell you something. Yes. Yeah. For... I saw this and I, I didn't read it, but uh, I saw it and I was like, "All right, 19, 1963, It's the 50th anniversary. It should be bigger than this. Right. It should be something else. It should be a bit, Battle, bit, bit yeah. more of a celebration. This I, was uh, under the wire. Fifty really. years is, is is like they they celebrate the dumbest like like the, remember it was like sixty five years of Superman. Right. That's not any. That doesn't mean anything. Right. This is the fiftieth year of the X Men. Do a thing. Right. This is this is a throwaway. Right, it was a Even fun throw. It was good or fun, yeah. but then again, what do I know? There, there's other parts to it. This isn't, you know. But it's also know. getting it under the wire. We're talking about there's a month and a half left of this year. Well, yeah. you know, I'm guessing that what it is is just one of those things. Like somebody noticed it, and they're in the midst of doing all their other things, which justify, justify, will keep them pretty busy. They, like, we should probably do something for this. Yeah, so they, let's whip something up. But that, I mean, that that seems most likely. Story-wise, I like the Len Wein story. 
where it's Wolverine sort of coming into the X Men and then sizing everyone up and oh, figuring great. out if like he can Batman kill. Story. Yeah, he's like, can I? How would I? I would kill this guy, but Cyclops, I just pop him in the eye sockets. Well, I think I'd kill uh, him. He drives his claws into his skull. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but it was like uh, it was the first meeting of the new X Men for you know for the all new X Men special. So it was it was Wolverine surveying the room at all his new teammates and, and deciding how he would kill them and if he if he had to. It was really it was a really good issue. I liked all of them. Because I like all these different eras. Now, you liked, you liked Rock the Girl 1 a lot. What uh-huh. did you think of 2? I, I decided not to... I thought I it was a tour to de force for Amy Reader. I think, really? I think she's fantastic, and I thought this issue looked even better than the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I really like the story. I feel like uh, coming home again, it's 1986 in New York. There's even an appearance by Geraldo Rivera doing the local news, and I think it's super fun. It's just a- I, think, I think it's beautiful. I, I, um, I hadn't read the first one. I, I've always loved her covers. I have like a, a Supergirl print from her, mm-hmm. but so seeing her on interiors, I, th- I was like, I want to see more of this. Like this should be, this shouldn't be such a rarity. Right. Uh, I want to see more Amy Reader. So, did you read this one? Yeah. Did you read the first? I was one? I was a little bit lost, but because I read... just read the second one. Well, so. you would have yeah, you'd have no idea what's going on. Right. I, I, but I want to go back and you know maybe Definitely when do it's that. collected. Yeah, I will. I thought it was gorgeous. I thought some of the close-ups on the on the main character were were just were fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now, the funny thing about Superman Wonder Woman number two was that it sort of went into the world of Wonder Woman a bit. I mean, what I mean yes. by that is the book world. You know, Wonder Woman, that, that series has always felt a little removed from the rest of the DCU. In this issue, we go and we see Apollo and we see Stri- Strife and all these characters, um, which felt a little uncomfortable. But I did really like the interaction between Superman and Apollo, and I loved, I loved the backhand yeah. slap that sent Superman flying. That would have been a panel of the week had we still been doing that, doing that feature. I thought that, that whole stuff was unexpected mm-hmm. and pretty imaginative and well done. Uh, the one thing that really that is weird to me about it is that it it feels a little like it's re- being written down, like it doesn't doesn't like 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 it like it's being written for a slightly simpler audience, and some of the dialogue and some of the explanations and things like that, like it's like they're saying maybe this is for people who've never read this compared stuff to other, other Charles Soule books or yes. compared to yes. like the Wonder Woman book, other Charles Soule books and definitely Wonder Woman. Yeah. Just the thing it's, I it's a little odd seeing you know Apollo and Hephaestus and stuff like in that, what feels like you know a, a Jeff John style like mainstream. That doesn't bother me because a that's mostly has to do with the choice of the artist I think, but b like we've seen Orion with her, we've seen right. that song, like, and we've made that connection. And she's Wonder Woman, so that didn't bother me so much. I really the thing that I kept going back and forth on was I was like, so are the gods magic? Because if they're magic, they can't take him. But apparently, the sun no, they can take him because powers him. Yeah, they could take him because he, he, he's he has a weakness to magic. To magic. Yeah. Right. But so I, but I think it's a smart about. idea to you know put Apollo like thinking I'll use my amazing sun powers, and, <laughs> and Superman's like, no, not such a good idea. Should I like that confrontation. That. It was good. Yeah. It's you know I still don't know about this book, but I like. I, I mean, I think, I, I think the fact is on, totally. we're not the audience for this book. Uh, yeah, I, I, I I'm know. not. I'm not behind this relationship. I mean, that's 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 one it's strange entry thing. I'll give you that. It feels a little forced. It feels to me like everything else that they've done is that it's an interesting idea that they haven't executed in any interesting way. Mm-hmm. Which I think you can say about most of what they've done in the New Fifty Two is that the ideas were all good. They just the execution was lacking. And I think for me, there's nothing wrong at its core with them being in a relationship. I think if they're both young and attached, there's no reason why they wouldn't be. Right. Oh, and, and, you know, nobody got mad when they did this in Kingdom Come. Right. But they just haven't done anything interesting with it. And that's, yeah. I think, that's, that's early days. Fail. This is. Well, no, two. but they've been, they've been, quote unquote, together for a long time now in Justice League books. 
Yeah. It's I just mean like in their in their own book, let it, you know. Sure. I just mean in general they haven't done anything with it, which is part of the reason why this book isn't as compelling is because mm-hmm. right now the relationship is not compelling. So mm-hmm. I, think, I think it transfers over, but that's just me. could be wrong. Let's talk about Thor uh, some more because Thor is awesome. Thor, God of Thunder, number 15. There's some of that like raw pencil stuff that we really liked about Isad Rubik. I don't think it's, it's helping Garney out as much. I was thinking that too. Uh, I went back. I was like, is this still Garney? I was like, oh, it is. Because I like I like Ron Garney, but um, it's I don't know it's it's not entirely working. But uh, I, I enjoy that this is Thor and his sort of League of Nations yeah. from all the I, different nine I realms. The turning point for this issue, or the, at least the really great part about it, was was the the thing where he got everybody drunk together and like made it. And it was obvious what he was yeah, they're doing. in a gingerbread it's tavern. It's like team building one on one. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's cool. And uh, yeah, like Thor's not going to get drunk on fairy juice, you know, like he's, he's not going to let it happen, but it's happening. And I just like he sort of got me. Well, he got me with the first page. Jason Aaron talking about Alfheim and, you know, say, instead of saying unicorns, he said corns with an apostrophe mm-hmm. over the sea. And then talking about the different kinds of elves. And of course, it's Jason Aaron's Alfheim, so there's going to be sexy elves in addition to just the boring old vanilla <laughs> light the elves, jointed. dark elves. Yeah, 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 yeah. The spice elves. So I kind of I, I love the imagination there, and I, I love the idea of a dwarf who's like, I've never killed somebody with a candy cane before. That was kind of cool. So he does I just, great world building. He really does. Yeah, I really like the way he thinks about this stuff, and and I love seeing that map in the back. I'm looking at all this, all like, these different realms, and I like his combination of silly ideas and epic ideas. He had a he had a giant inadvertently eat Malekith, and then Malekith pops out of his skull. Yeah, I don't know exactly how he got into his head, but well, he cut his way through. He well, he cut his way through, yeah. but like the guy was talking a second before. So well, I don't think he jumped he, into his yeah he jumped into, he his, jumped mouth into and, his mouth, and cut his way up, and came out through the eye. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's good. It's still very good. Um, this is this is this, this is, is this is basic stuff, Paul. Okay. <laughs> um, I know that uh, three number one. Well, I hate saying these numbers. Was was a pick of the week, and I wanted to follow up on three number two. I feel like it should stop at three issues. I don't know what that is. <laughs> um, three four. I I really just I like to check in sometimes when a new series is number one, and then uh, sometimes we don't revisit it, but. Uh, I thought number two was sort of the other side of the bookend of what what I really liked about number one. It was we spent a lot of time with the helots in the first issue, and then uh, in this one we're with the, the Spartans and sort of seeing what's going on over there. And the thing that I don't think we knew in the first one was that it's not going so well for the Spartans at this point. And I really enjoyed the look into that and what that means for this whole little world. I liked it more than the first one. The problem I have with this is the same problem I have with the Legion of Superheroes and also Russian literature is that – I get tripped up with all the names, and because they're all like long and un, un, the the constructions are not you're not you know familiar. They're long and foreign, and, right. and, and by what I mean by foreign, I mean the way they're written. It's not like it's uh, Francois. It's uh, there's a lot of letters together that shouldn't be, and uh, so I get I get lost with what t- people are talking about sometimes. But I appreciate the the level of research and the the the, the drive for authenticity. Like yeah, I, that, that didn't bother me. It's, it reminds me. It like it reminds me of like when I used to read old Avengers comics. I didn't know everybody, and they they talk about other characters and other things were happening. I just figure that'll either be something that I'll find context for, or I can look into, and it, it'll be fine, or it'll, it'll make sense to me later, or it won't. Then it won't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I get the same sort of. He effect really with loves that. it. Reading yeah. back yeah. I read the whole interview that he did with the professor, and he's Gillian is clearly really into this story, so that's nice. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah, 
I appreciate that. I, the, the fall of the Spartan really added to. I was like, oh, I don't. Think I, I didn't know about any of this. So Very bizarre really political uh, yeah. setup, but interesting. Very interesting. I liked three. I liked it more than the first one. So those are the books we wanted to talk about this week. Let's jump right into some audience questions. The first was from Sam from London, and Sam says, "I've just finished the amazing Essex County." having known about it for years based on your recommendations on the podcast. For some reason, the bigger the endorsement, the less inclined I am to pick up a book. Someone says, you must read this. And my first reaction is, F you, who made you king? This has delayed my picking up Watchmen, Understanding Comics, and Scalped, among others. I have, of course, an idiot. Not liking something that is critically acclaimed is one thing, but which comics have you been most wrong about, avoiding and avoiding until you caved and realizing you'd been missing out? I think, I think Josh is just Captain America. Ah... Uh. Was it? Was yeah, I, was I, I, not I, I bought you the first two trades for Christmas because you wouldn't read it. You're right because I had read – I had gotten it mixed. But the thing is with that, I had gotten it mixed up with that other series that was like John A. Reber and, and right. Cassidy. Right. And I don't think I realized that they restarted it. I know I've got answers for this. I have this whatever your, um, whatever your, your affliction is. The one where was like, this is great and you're like, screw you. I have that. Yeah. I've got a lot of that in me. Is that like what? What? What do you think that is? It's 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 uh, uh just being it's like a big iconoclastic. It's it's not wanting to be told. You want to make your own decision or whatever. It's a problem for me. I've gotten for over me, it a lot. It's snobbery. You for me? No, it's it's a not. Bit. It's there's a there's a there's a there's a mix of snobbery in there. Well, because, but there's something because else because if something is widespread acclaim, you you would you someone would think that it must not be good because the masses like it. Yeah, but then again, why are you listening to our podcast? Because it's literally the point. You know, like part of that, I mean, kept me away from like the Sopranos and, and like the, the Wire for, for a long time. And I, yeah. I had a million false starts with The Wire season one, and I love it now. For me, for, for comics, uh, Preacher, I did that on the wire. Preacher is, is the one where I was just like, it was part of it was just like feeling intimidated by all the acclaim and, and then also just thinking that it was, wasn't going to be for me, like because it, I thought it was going to be all like, like gross out humor. Had and, you read had you read the boys prior to that? No. Okay. So it wasn't it wasn't even based on that. It was just based on those covers. I was like, this looks sure. like it's gonna be gross I don't, and I don't I'm not into that and I don't really like Fabry all that much. So right. I, I know what you're talking about. I don't know that I avoid things based on recommendations. I just for whatever stupid reason I don't get to them. I don't tend to have that problem. But for me, books that I just kept putting off, kept putting off, kept putting off, finally read and love like Starman. And to a lesser extent, Sandman. But really, Starman is the one I remember because you, you, Josh, you would constantly give me the trades to read whenever I came to visit you when we were right out of college. And I remember reading that first couple of trades like three times. Yeah. And then finally, when we were going to do that show on it, the video show, I, we, and you know, the books started coming out, the hardcovers, I uh, read them, and, and it's, now it's one of my favorite comics of all time. So I th- but that wasn't because people liked it. It was just for whatever reason, I didn't read it. Yeah, um, well, you know what? It really, like, when I say, when I say that's happened to me, it's it's usually not because everyone says it's good, but it's because I think well you're you're saying you like that. Ron, I mean Ron and I used to do this a lot. Like Ron likes things a lot, and I don't always like the thing that he likes a lot. There's many examples of it, but there's also a crossover. My best example of that is probably Young Avengers, mm-hmm. where everyone was telling me to read that for a long time, and I was really not into that stuff at that point. And I just was like, no, I don't, I don't want to read that. And and like he made me read it, and I was like, you're right, that was awesome, Kang. Right. Uh, and 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 um. What's his name? Jimmy Jimmy Chung. Jimmy Chung. Jimmy Chung. Problem yeah. with you is the yeah. marketing. We should have just led with Kang. <laughs> just we we just yeah. pushed the marketing wrong. That's all. I on it like with Young Avengers. Like there's been good stuff since then, but they've never matched that sort of first right. series. 
now what they're doing in Young Avengers is, is slightly different. Yeah. Uh, so it's okay. But so there you go. So those are some of the books we've avoided. Now let's jump to a voicemail. Hi, family. Hey, this is Sean from New York. I got a question for you guys about inspiration in comics. One of the big complaints I heard about Man of Steel was that it was not inspiring. What are some of the most inspiring comics that you've read, and what exactly do they inspire you to do? Love the show, guys. I would say yes, yes, yeah, certainly. You left it kind of broad there, which is good because <laughs> we get to we get to sort of interpret that. However, I mean, the, the number one thing is you read something that's that's really ins- inspiring in that sense. It makes you, you know, the first thing it makes you want to do is is think about you know making comics like that, but also that reading really great comics that are like creatively inspiring makes you want to read others like it and that can sometimes be disappointing i remember last year i read a tale of sand and i was like that was amazing and i i couldn't match that feeling for a long time which i think until recently like we just read the fifth beetle i think that was a similar feeling or when you read uh, something just just great like a like darwin cook's parker book or or, or something like that it makes me want to immediately makes you want to read something else that's really good like that because you want to keep that feeling going which is sometimes really hard to capture chasing that dragon yeah i mean it'll make me go back and read preacher or something like that that's what that's sort of what it ends up doing i think there's two different ways to look at the question and i and i figured we would get into into that where it's like inspire you to create something similar or, or just like really good craft and that makes it's sort of contagious um but then i think sort of the kernel of the question is Superman isn't very inspiring in the movie, which I, I agree with. Is there is there a comic that inspires you to be a better person? I think that's the question. Mm. Like, is is there a is there a book that makes you, I don't know, want to be more, you know, politically aware or socially conscious, that kind of thing, to be more heroic, or just or just gives you that feeling of goosebumps? When you're reading it, I think I think New Frontier falls in the last category for me. It, mm-hmm. it makes me feel like you know the world is full of good people, and there are people who will do good things. And you know, it ends on a on that high note of people persevering over adversity, and and it also has that classic feel to it. It's really triumphant. But there's even books like you know Pedro and Me, which isn't it doesn't end on a triumphant note certainly, but it it does leave you with a feeling of sort of being inspired by people, and this is real people. I agree with that. I think that's a really good one. And uh, I just read what's the John Lewis book? Uh, uh, March, March, March. Yeah, yeah. the March, yeah, which yeah. was I know you guys talked about it on the show that I wasn't on. That was so good, and it was inspiring. That you know that that guy is an amazing guy. Or or even you know to go a completely different direction. We've been talking about preacher, but I, I you know the character of Jesse Custer is like this. It's like this this uh, template of one kind of person who's a good man. Mm-hmm. You know, like he does right by his friends. He does the right thing. No matter the cost, and I, I find that incredibly inspiring. And I know that that's a weird book to say that about, but I no, but it's not. Think of, that's that's what the core of that book is, which is why yeah, people like it's Paul who thought friend. it was going to be one thing realized it's actually yeah, another yeah. thing. No, I was I was totally wrong. I find that like when I write stuff, like I have certain themes that I tend to go back to, and one of the things is always like the really good friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I always like to have a, a character like that, and I have to try and stay away from it. But like that book is is a template for me, and like you know. Cassidy was not a good friend, but Jesse still was mm-hmm. because it meant something to him. So that kind of thing is still super important. I think if you're just talking about the superheroes, like I, I think back on the early Jeff Johns Justice Society of America right. and like the Citizen Steel issue, and that's all about his family. And like the ending image of that is Citizen Steel sort of like, you know, crumpled on the floor. All of these 
very young relatives. They're the only surviving family he has. All of the adult family has sort of been killed by Nazi speedsters. It's getting ridiculous the more you talk about it. But but like the the moment is they they all sort of like gather around him and and embrace him. And um, he's just learning how to be a hero. And uh, it's 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 moments like that, like you know recognizing friendship and, and what matters and family and things like that. Those are, those are the moments that I get, you know, that get the goosebumps when I'm reading the books. Similar thing with Jeff Johns on, uh, it's Superman and the, the Legion of Superheroes yeah. from his action comics run. Um, at the, it, it's sort of like, it, there's a point where Superman is in the future and there's no sun to sort of power him. Um, there's no yellow sun. So he has to rely on on his friends in the Legion of Superheroes to sort of rally around him. And uh, but then it also makes him a better sort of tactician because he's not, you know, invulnerable and he has to think about it in that way and he's a better leader and working in a group. So uh, it's those kind of things. Anytime you can find a you know, it's an underdog story and it's it's hard to pick one out because there's so many of them. You know, the the people rally to 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 stop the bad guy, the people with no powers or whatever and or the civ- civilians, but I always think of the moment in Infinity Gauntlet when Captain America oh, yeah. is the last man standing against Thanos. You know, the, all the other people are dead, and he's the only one left. And Thanos is like, "What are you going to do? You're all, just one man without any special powers." And you know, Cap gives him that speech about as long as there's one man standing against you, you haven't won. And that's a really mm-hmm. great moment. That's a great. Remander picked up on that a little yeah. because you know you just stand up yeah. that thing. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we actually just talked about Starman a little bit too. These questions are related, but I. I really like the like when you know what happens in the story and you can watch what Jack is in the beginning to what he is in the end mm-hmm. and the the way that his relationship with his father develops and how he he learns to appreciate him and then you know at the end he he becomes a father too like I I find that I find that really touching. Well, I think the point is, is a, big. yeah, I think the point is that there's lots of different ways to be inspired by a comic. You know, you can be inspired to that there's good in the world. You can be inspired to make your own comics. You can be inspired on a human level. You can be inspired on a father-son level. There's lots of different ways, and I think there's lots of great comics out there to do that. So thank you for your question, Sean. That was a good one. Uh, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com, and you can we'll call our voicemail line at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697, if you, you want to have your question uh, answered on the show. And uh, let's give another plug, Paul, to our Thor podcast, our special edition Thor The Dark World show, which uh, we put out last Friday to go along with the movie. When Paul and I that was a yabba-dabba-do time. I saw it again the, week, the day after we did that show, and it was just as much fun the second time. Yeah, I'm going I'm to see it tomorrow. I'm excited. In fact, I picked up on more things the second time than I did the first time, but we won't talk about them here because Josh has not seen it. But great movie, and I had a really fun doing that show with Paul. I think it was really fun. So if you you know haven't listened yet, go to listen. Go to diefanboy.com and... Tell us what you thought of the movie underneath that podcast. For more of me yammering about Thor, uh, I also did uh, a longer podcast with uh, Dave Acampo and Ali Coluccio, who you may remember from myfanboy.com, uh, over at Fuzzy Typewriter. So you can look up Fuzzy Typewriter uh, or Fuzzy Typewriter Show, or it's fuzzytypewriter.com. So check that out. We're also going to be, we're finally going to do that 12 Angry Men show. And cheers. We're going through season know, by like season. Cheers. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yep. Wow. Brett has been. I think. Well, I think Connor and I both simultaneously thought the same thing, and it was, <laughs> it was. I can never do that. And two, that's cool. Well, yeah. we're sort of we're we're sort of picking like the three or four key episodes from each season and zeroing in on those. So we're going to talk about the pilot. We're going to talk about the uh, season finale. You know, uh, before they had a DVD, you couldn't do a thing like that. So, well, <laughs> Netflix. There's no excuse. You got to check it out. So. Uh, so there is that. And also, speaking of Brett, I was on uh, Matt and Brett Love Comics talking about 
Walt Simonson's The Mighty Thor, 344 through 349, the first appearance of Malekith. So that's finally out. That wasn't out last week. So uh, you can check that out now. All right. You can head over to ifanboy.com. You can come on this show, talk about the books of the week, talk about what you liked or didn't like or what you loved. Give us your thoughts on the new X-Men costumes. We, 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 we cannot be wrong here. <laughs> In fact, I've seen no support for them other than Paul's half-hearted support earlier. Which really makes me question our entire relationship. Paul just wanted to like the rest of the book without having to think about that. And I can respect That's that. That's kind of what happened, yeah. Denial. I was like, I'm going to ignore that. I'm going to cover my eyes Maybe up. they will get a Voltron. <laughs> Listen, if it uh, all ends up with a Voltron, I take it all back. I will take it all back. That's what I'm going to say. Yes. I will admit my, I'm wrong if they end up forming Voltron and defending the universe. Like, if they just take, like, Sentinel parts and, like, build their own Voltron, that'd be kind of dope. And I'll form the head. Go to fanboy.com. No, go to twitter.com slash ifanboy. I was going to say ifanboy.com slash twitter, which would be crazy. Iceman is pitch. Facebook.com slash ifanboy to follow the action, which uh, lets you in on what the pick's going to be before we do the show. And there's always somebody who says, what? What do you mean that was the pick? That's what you get when you don't get to explain it with a thousand words. Yeah. There you go. Deal with it. Josh. Yeah. Okay. Druggy. I am <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> you can <laughs> keep telling my wife, I'm like, I really I love all three of you guys. Yeah. You can email us at contact at fanboy.com. You can leave a voicemail at 88fanboys, which is 326-2697. And if you do that, you do well, you get a conversation like we just had, which we I think we enjoyed. And by us enjoying it, you will enjoy it. And then you will also have conversations based on that. And uh, it's a circle of that's life. how we want it to work. Yep, there it is. The Wheel of Fortune. Uh, if, if you dig this sort of thing or you have your own um, kidney stone stories to tell, you can write us a review in iTunes. Clink, clink. There they are. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Better yet, tell your friends about us. Introduce your mom to podcast. Spread that eye fanboy all around. You're, you're a trooper, Josh. Really? They want me to pee into a coffee filter. <laughs> really? Yeah, and I got to tell you that it's kind of difficult to make that work, especially if it starts getting full. What do I do? It's are you going to keep them? No, you you bring them back so the doctors can can uh, test it, examine them. They understand what they're made of. They're made of calcium. That means. But after that, are you going to make like a pendant? I'm probably going to like. like I figure I'll put them under my pillow and see if I can get some cash out of this. <laughs> try to there, there's nothing good about this scenario. You know, sometimes it's good nope. to get sick because you get like ice cream. You get to watch talk shows during the day. No, this is there's nothing good about ki- a kidney stone. No. Nothing. So is this going to be something that keeps happening? Could be. Is there anything I can do to stop it? Maybe. Well, all right. Thanks a lot. I really appreciated this talk. Here, here's your bill for $1,000. So until next week, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. Oh. <laughs> he's, he's, he's in pain. No. Nah, okay. Tender. Nick, goodbye. Uh, can